0: Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for understanding. Thank you for grace. It's on the ears of the hearer that we would be hearers as well as doers of your word in in keeping your word, Father. Uh, Not deceiving ourselves by hearing only and thinking we've got it all. But, Lord, that we could be people who are hearers and doers. There's something that we need to do to make this word real to us every time we hear it. So we thank your Lord, that we'll be attentive to do those things and follow through so that that word can be charged with power and virtue and everything that we need. In Jesus name. Amen. And praise God. Amen. 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 So uh, we're going to talk today about is anything too hard for God? Amen. Is anything too hard for him? Amen. Amen. Nothing is too hard. If we believe, nothing is impossible to those who believe. Amen. So God does not stand apart from us and our faith and just do stuff. We have to be engaged in it as well. And that's always good to remember Uh, over and over again. The Bible says people who believe God, were considered righteous before him. Amen. They believed unto righteousness. That's a Bible principle. And so whenever you put your faith in God's word and in God, then you are you are considered righteous. It's 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 righteousness to your account in heaven. It may not look like righteousness to the people that sit around and watch everything, but they don't they don't have anything to do with that anyway. They're not even in a position to judge anything or evaluate it. So it's accounted where it counts most, and that's in God's kingdom as righteousness. So we are familiar with this scripture. It was spoken to um, Abraham and Sarah. Actually, we'll get to that in Genesis, um, uh, Genesis chapter 18. But in Jeremiah 32 and verse. 27, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying in verse 26, now verse 27, behold, in other words, think about this, Jeremiah, consider this, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh, is there anything too hard for me? The God of all flesh is saying, is anything too hard for me? Sometimes when we think about the people, aspect of things. We get a little intimidated. We wonder, how is God going to fix this? It's going to mean so-and-so has to think differently about things or uh, somebody high up in the financial world is going to have to think kindly about me or uh, the bank president is going to have to put a stamp of approval on my application. And whenever the human element gets involved, sometimes I think we think God can't do it or he's not strong enough to do these things or he's not um, engaged enough in our lives to make changes where people are concerned. You know, just if, for example, the example I just gave about the workman coming to my house, God proved he's the God of all flesh and nothing was too hard for him. Amen. In fact, he was quick in doing it. Sometimes it does take time for God to get people to alert people, to speak to them, to get somebody convinced to help us or whatever it is. And, and, and sometimes He has to raise up people and tell them about a need that there is and get them to respond to it, you know? Think about the times that we felt God was telling us to do something and we shrugged it off and then later on we found out it was God. How many people like us does he have to come to before he finds somebody who will just get up and do it? you understand what I'm saying? And so it, it might take a little while for God to rattle somebody's cage or, you know, get them to the point where they say, oh, Lord, I'll do anything for you. Usually it's when they got a need somewhere. Amen. Saints get real motivated when their personal interests are involved. Amen. Y'all with me or you across the street somewhere else? You know, I can go across the street, too. <laughs> I could sit up there and stare at the chair, too. But God says, I am the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? Amen. And the answer is no. We should immediately answer and say, no, God. With you, all things are possible. Amen. All things are possible. Everything is possible. Whatever you can conceive of is possible with God. Amen. Our God is a God of extreme possibilities. Our God is a God of unlimited possibilities. Our God is a God of unlimited strength and unlimited power and unlimited willingness to come to our aid and come to our rescue. So we have to understand who it is that we're thinking about. This isn't something that that you can't slot God into man's shoes. Man's shoes don't fit. God is way too big, way too big. And so we we need to come to a, a vision of God the way he really is, bigger than everything that we lack, bigger than everything that we need, Bigger than anything that we can conceive, that we can ask or we can think. He's much bigger. But yet he, he pulls himself into our situations so that we can feel comfortable asking him for things. See, he's a real big God and he's very powerful, but he's also our father. We also have relationship with him where we can have access to his domain, his dominion, where we come into his presence and into the fullness of his power. Part of coming into his domain is, is that we are changed. See, on the outside of where God is, we look in and we see problems out here that are bigger than us. Trouble over here that we don't have the answer to. And, but once we, we our blood become blood washed and we uh, put uh, repent and get our minds over into the mind of the spirit all of that seems possible sometimes if it's still impossible to us it's because we're in the, the wrong mentality you got to come over into his mind over into his righteousness over into his realm and it might take some doing. You might have to worship Him for a while. You might have to say, "God, forgive me for sitting up here dwelling on this and worried about it and thinking it's impossible for you, and being discouraged about it and letting it upset me." Amen. And so, and you got to get over into the mind of the Spirit and the mind of God and and understand that He wants to get you to look at it the way He sees it. Once we and and once you look at it the way He sees it. All the faith is available to you. All the understanding is available to you. Everything that he needs to make that fit into your life becomes available to you now because you have yielded yourself to his dominion. You've yielded yourself to his realm. You've yielded yourself to his place, and you're not searching through your little carnal mind for answers, you know, like we do. Searching the corridors of your mind where all the creaking doors are. You know, like you look at a horror movie and somebody out opens a door and goes, Aah! That's the way we do. We start looking for answers in our little carnal minds. All them little hinge, rusty hinge doors start opening. You go in and look. And that answer was not there the last time you opened that creaky door. And now you're back in the creaky door again trying to find an answer. Amen. That's why God wants you to shut yourself off from your own thoughts, from your fearful thoughts, from your insecure thoughts, all that stuff. He wants you to shut the door to that nonsense and come into his realm where everything's fresh and new, where he has a new idea for you. He says, Behold, I do a new thing. Amen. Call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that are new to you that you know not. He said, I've got something new cooked up for you every single day that you're here on earth. And you thought it was dull and boring in the kingdom. Amen. Amen. You've been in your own little carnal mind again. If everything's dull and boring, you ain't with God, I can tell you that much. Amen. The last time he invited you in, your mind was so blowed, you stayed, sat in a corner and just said, mm, mm, mm. Huh? You ever said that? You know, sometimes, I, you know, you live in expectancy. Now I've learned how to live, and this is not something, you know, wonderful or rare or you can't have, but I learned how to live in an expectancy of good after all them years of living depressed. See, God did a miracle in me and gave me a heart that understood how to stay close to him and live in expectancy of good. That's where he wants us all to live. And sometimes I'll think about and and God will have done something for me recently. And I think, oh, God, I forgot to say thank you for that. And I'll say, oh, I'm behind on my thank yous. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes expectancy. Can put you in such a frame of mind that when it comes, it's like, well, yeah, you understand what I'm saying? And, 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 and the Lord was showing me, He said, well, I expect you. He said, if you didn't give me, um, advanced Thanksgiving in your heart, I could never do that for you. Come on, y'all. So you're not behind on your thanksgiving. You're ahead of the game, amen, because you're thankful in advance for everything. You start thanking him before it gets here, and that's how it gets here. You know God can bless you, and the devil will come in the next thought and try to condemn you for what you didn't thank him for. But I thank him anyway. I keep my thanksgiving account filled up, amen? It's easy to do. It's not hard to do. You don't have to, you know, disfigure your face to get thanks out of your mouth. Insincere thanks. I'm not talking about this fake stuff that people, you know, do that, you know, the little plaque that you put up on the wall. The one y'all get from the dollar store with the little ladybug in the corner. Hey! Yeah, that one. That's what I'm talking about. All oh, y'all guilty, no, but you've seen them. Everywhere you look now, thankful, thankful, thankful to whom and for what? I was watching some show on television where Thanksgiving show. Kids go around the dinner table and say what you're thankful for. They never said thankful to whom? Never said to God. This is how the world snowballs us into thinking there's a real appreciation for God out there. huh? I'm thankful for so and so. And they rattle off all this stuff and never mention God, never acknowledge him, didn't bless the dinner. That's all y'all heathens need to go to church. Turn that thing off. You ain't worth my time watching this nonsense. There's fake stuff everywhere. But see, we're the people who are sincere. We have sincerity in our hearts and thanksgiving to God for what sometimes we don't even know. You just feel like, man, this, this peace I have, this understanding I have, this anticipation of nothing but good. How can I duplicate this without God? How can I have something like this in my life without God? How can I know and love a merciful God? You understand what I'm saying? How how can this happen without Him that I can be joyful every day? And I'm not talking about just that happy hour. You understand? You don't need happy hour to be joyful. You can just yield to the spirit of joy any time you decide to. And so this is something that that the God of all flesh. He's responsible for these things, for these changes in us, for the things that we we see and that we know. Don't take them for granted. Always be one that, that will will understand that it's a hand of God. Doesn't have to move on your behalf, but he chose you. He chose you to make promises to. He chose you to reassure your life that everything's going to work out for the good. You know, even though you may be waiting on some things, he's working them out. Amen. Even behind the scenes, he's working these things out for you. Amen. And we've got to trust that he's true to his word and that he is working on the things even in the unseen realm. Amen. Amen. So is anything too hard for God? Where do we get that from? Amen. Where do we get that from? If you turn to Genesis chapter 18, you'll see. In Genesis chapter 18. This is a continuing saga of Abraham and Sarah. Amen. Lots of interesting things happen and lots of life changing things happen to them. If we can say nothing, we can say that this uh, their lives prove the faithfulness of God. Amen. Uh, That God never left them, never forsook them, even when they made mistakes and, and all of that. um I can remember first understanding that Abraham um, was treating his wife less than what God says in in the covenant that we have now and kind of trying to judge him based on now standards. And I realized that I could not do that, that he was a developing character as far as his relationship with God was concerned. But in the end of his life. He elevated Sarah to a place where a New Testament wife is supposed to be. Got me? So he he was able to live in the knowledge of promise of God to bring him along and so that he was able to honor his wife the way God wanted him to honor her all along. See, God was speaking to Abraham to honor her throughout her life. He finally heard God. And was able to respond to it the right way. And the Lord was showing me. He said, that's no different than you or anybody else that I deal with in the earth. He said, you all start out as a rough cut, a diamond in the rough, selfish, thinking about yourself, dishonoring whomever you had to dishonor in order to get yourself secure. Amen. He said, but everybody I touch, I teach. Everybody that I I speak to, I develop. And I have a goal set for them and that Abraham would wind up being a worthy man, a man who conducted his life in a worthy manner. And that's what God has developed. You look, you see it throughout the Bible. Look at David. Everything that David, he started out very honorable and took a a wrong turn. And repented, and God was able to restore him to honor, amen, and restore him to position, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And so, when we we think about these people in the Word, look at them as a work in progress, just like you look at yourself. Don't ever condemn people from the for the condition they're in, mistakes they make. Just because they're in the Bible doesn't mean they're perfect people all the time. Just mean they're people like you and me and so it should give us hope for ourselves amen so here we have genesis in chapter 18 and and Abraham and Sarah have been walking with God for a season now amen uh for for uh, i think it's it's like he starts out at age 70 or 72 i think and he's almost 100 years old now so it's been 25 years uh that gives us hope folks if you've been walking with God that that long, you're still making a few mistakes. You should have hope because they were able to continue to serve God. It it makes a difference if you continue and not give up. You know, I look at some people that that make mistakes in God's kingdom, big ones because they're prominent people, and and I would look and say, uh, uh, you know, you want to judge people. And then and God will show me sometimes. He says, yeah, but they didn't give up. He said, they're still in there plugging away. He said, I know people condemn them. I know people shun them. I know people don't want to have anything to do with them. But I look at the heart. They're still out there trying to serve me with a heart for me. Amen. And so this is what's important. It's important that we continue in the things of God. It's important that we keep doing what God wants us to do. It's important for us not to give up and quit, but to continue. Amen. That's what God looks at. Amen. He says um, uh, that you endure. Endure what? A lot of stuff. Because there's a lot of stuff to have to endure when you serve God. We're living among sinful people. We're living in a sinful earth. And so there's an endurance factor here that God rewards that he does not overlook. Don't think he doesn't know how hard it is for you sometimes. He knows that. But he's given you something greater to help you overcome. You're not just somebody who puts up with stuff, endurance in that sense. Amen. We're talking about somebody who's um got something resilient in there. It's like sometimes we think endurance, oh, boy, putting up with stuff. And that's what most of us think about. You know, when you look at things you're not satisfied with in your life, you think you're putting up with something from somebody. Well, just look at the get on the other side of the table. And look at what they see when they see you. Huh? And they're not complaining that we know of. Amen. But when God says endure. It means endure victoriously. See, when, when Paul gave different analogies, when he would say things like run this race with patience, he sees you winning at the end. He didn't see somebody. And that's what endurance is. He looks at endurance as an athlete who would get through the next inning or get through the next quarter or get through the next down, or get through the next whatever, victoriously, with its eye on a goal going somewhere. We're not just sitting up passively letting people walk all over us. Grow up, amen? He's not talking about that kind of endurance. He said, and really with the endurance, if you're an athlete, really? If you're an athlete who's enduring, You're getting stronger as you go through these stresses. Amen. You're enduring for a purpose of strengthening yourself to continue to run the race. So God sees us as people who are running hurdles. And every time we get to one, you stretch and endure getting over it and go to the next one. You stretch and endure to it and go to the next one and go to the next one, next one, next one. You don't see athletes starving out there on the on in the middle of the the field going, oh boy, is another is it another hurdle? Come on, y'all, let's not go there. Even if you got to hide from the race and say, God, if you got me through the last one, you give me through. Let me know when it's safe to come out and start again. Amen. So let us not, like Paul said, let us run this race with patience. Amen. And finish the course. There's a set course for us. Huh? We're to look unto Jesus, look to him for help, look for him to show us the goal, look for him to show us everything so that at the end of the race, we can look back and people say, my soul, look back and wonder how I got over you. Say, how did I do all that stuff? It's supposed to amaze you like that. Amen. Because, you know, you couldn't have done it without God's help. You never be able to boast on what you accomplished in this life, because if it weren't for God's help. And him coming to your rescue in spite of you sometimes. Amen. <laughs> sometimes we just got to know to get out the way ah uh, so anyway so here we have abraham and sarah we got to get get to them but uh god is able to tame the flesh that's what you need to know he's he's a god of all flesh nothing's too hard for him he's able to tame stubborn flesh he's able to to stir up uh lazy flesh he's able to to subdue rebellious flesh and convince unbelieving flesh, carnal mind to get out the way so that faith can rise up. So if he promises you something and it depends on the cooperation of another person, don't ever be afraid to expect God to come through. Amen. And, and sometimes you need to take people off the throne and put God up there. Amen. Because people can be your best asset or your worst enemy, depending upon how you look at it. Always keep God on the throne of your life. If if he needs to bring people into your life, he will. Most of the time, we don't need as many people as we think we do. I got people. I I, I, I got people. Well, I don't. I got God. I'm better off than you are. <laughs> so Abraham and Sarah, you know, they keep tripping over each other a little bit throughout life. Amen. Show me a married couple that doesn't. (laughs) Amen. So, so anyway, Abraham is having this conversation with the Lord. He prepares in verse, in chapter 18, he prepares an offering to offer up. And in, in verse nine, God says, where's your wife Sarah? And he said, well, she's in the tent. And he said, "I will certainly return unto you according to the time of life, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son." And Sarah heard it in the tent door. See, you know, eavesdropping to get you in trouble sometimes, huh? She's snooping in the tent door. He said, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age, well stricken, well stricken. Ain't nobody in here this old. So don't be even thinking to, to look at age as a factor. Uh-huh. Age works against us or for us sometimes. Sometimes you look at your age and, well, God, if I'm going to do something, I better get to doing it now. And, and you know no further along than you were the last time you said that. So he says, well-stricken and agent has ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women, so she had hit menopause and beyond. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, after I am old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? Now, that's a good question to ask yourself. Are you ever too old to enjoy certain things in your life? See, that should put the capper on everything for everybody. See, most people are in such a hurry to do everything that they do it in such a hurry they don't even enjoy it. Now, most of us, if we're honest, will know, well, I was in such a hurry to do so-and-so and such-and-so. I could have waited on that. I sure could have waited. Amen. If I'd have waited, I'd have more wisdom. It's amazing but grandparents have so much patience and wisdom and and it ain't because you can throw them kids back to them, their parents whenever you want to. That's not it. But with age does come wisdom. And you wonder when are all of these things going to sync up and connect at the right time in the right place when you get in covenant with God. And when you get in tune with what God is doing in your life, everything will connect at the right place at the right time. Amen. God put put fertility in us when we're young for a reason. Number one, that the energy to keep up with small children. Would, would connect there. But we're missing something else, the wisdom in order to, to be able to do this correctly. Then we look and we see an odd person here and there where everything connects at the same time. Now if you look, you'll find some people that wisdom, energy, fertility, ability all came at the same time. It's not many of them, but you see some but these people are usually people who live in covenant with God in such a way that they don't miss a beat, and they are rare. That's why we don't know any of them too much. You understand what I'm saying? And, and most of them have some some bad fruit in there somewhere. Amen. But but they're doing the best they can. But they are in covenant with God. So where all of this meets up together and and synchronizes. The right way at the right time with the right level of blessing is when you walk together with God in perfection. And we're going to see it with Abraham and Sarah. Amen. Because it's got to be true. There's got to be. God can't just leave us in the earth to make missteps and have mishaps forever. There's gotta be a place where all of this comes together at the same time and it works in synchrony with God's plan for us. Amen. And so it's, it's when we walk before Him that what He's telling Abraham and Sarah. So anyway, it says, therefore Sarah laughed because she said, I'm too old. I don't want kids running around. I've been the laughing stock of all the people all my years because I was childless. Barrenness always brings a, a, some kind of a reproach with it. All of these things bring reproach. Poverty brings reproach. Everything that's not, not to, to, to man's liking, I'll put it that way, brings reproach. And so she's saying, listen, the, the, I've suffered enough people making fun of me and mocking me and all this, all these years. I don't want no kids now. That's really what she's saying in her heart. She's talking to the God of all flesh who nothing is too hard for. Can he change a woman who's bitter a little bit, maybe angry a little bit, maybe knowing her best years passed her by without the joy of being mother? Amen. Can can he change her stony heart into a heart of flesh so he can bless her? See, look for that to happen. Don't just wipe out a promise of God out of your life because you think your your days have passed you by for that. With, with the right timing comes the right desire, comes the right attitude, comes the right mentality. He brings all of that with him, folks. He don't just push blessings on bitter people who feel their day best days are behind them. He brings all of that change of attitude with him. Huh? So she says, huh, smirking, laughing, bitter laugh. This ain't no joyful woman standing here, folks. She's like, like you know, God says, I'm going to visit, you know, whatever, and and Sarah heard, he says, I'm going to return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah's going to have a son. Really? After all, you you showing up now after all these years? You think you're bringing me good news, God? Like your dream job is 20 years too late. If you don't let God have attitude. And remove that. So that you can get in a spiritual frame of mind. So you can enjoy the blessing. huh? And if you just think about it. You realize that maybe it's right on time. And God has given you the honor. Of him bringing time along with you and correcting an attitude that has long since needed to be corrected. And you think about it for a minute. You think maybe if I had corrected attitude, it would have come here sooner. Just a thought. Just a thought. Don't let God do all the heavy lifting. But he will if he has to. Amen. Because he can't deny himself. He promised you joy and rejoicing at the birth of your children. Amen. So he delivers on his promises. So she says that and she laughed within herself. Not out loud. When something's funny, you laugh out loud. When you're sarcastic, you laugh inside. Or you don't want somebody to hear. After I'm old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? In other words, we both too old to run around and chase children. And the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh, saying, shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, ah, now we're getting to the crux of the issue. Did you know everything that God promised you in your life has an appointment? i must say it again. Everything that God promises you in your life has an appointment as to when to show up in your life. I remember years ago, I would pray and ask God to, to help me. To minister to people, and I'd say, God, I said, you know, can, can we find a way to get our prayers answered faster because people are disappointed at how long it takes? And he said, why would you be disappointed for something you didn't have an appointment with anyway? He said, you can't be disappointed because you didn't have an appointment with it. And then he started speaking to me about due season. And how the fruit of the spirit are on the tree of life that dwells within us. So that every season has a different fruit that ripens and becomes available for you to partake of and live off of until the manifestation of the fullness of time for that thing. There's a due season for every promise. See, we don't want to look at that. We don't want to consider that. But that's really what it is. And sometimes God will let you know the season but most times he does not. Because you want to try and hasten the appointment. You want to get the fruit before it's really ripe. Before you can really enjoy it. Now Abraham Abraham has a a green green banana in the house already. He's got a premature fruit. And it's causing problems. So many so that at some point the fruit has to be kicked out. See what I'm saying? And so you don't want that in your life. You'd rather not have that tragedy in your life. You'd rather not have that mistake, that disappointment. But God knows even how to fix that too. See, he has a remedy for everything. He'd rather we patiently waited for the fruit in its season, but he knows many of us will not. So he has a remedy for immature fruit, ahead of schedule fruit, all that. He has a remedy for all of it, but you have to walk with him in order to walk in that remedy. And that's all he wants from any of us. So he says here. And Lord, he says, anything too hard for me? He said, like I said in verse 10, at the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life and Sarah will have a son. And then Sarah said, I didn't laugh because she was scared. See, when, when God insists upon blessing us, see, when He, when He speaks something, it's a command, y'all. It ain't just something that's sitting out there waiting for you to believe it before it happens. It's already happened when He speaks it. So He commands blessings on us. That's why the Bible says they will follow us and overtake us and you don't have to be sitting around waiting on stuff. Just keep following God and the blessing is going to come to your house and overtake you. It's a can't miss blessing. A blessing really defined as something you can't mess up anyway. You can try if you want to. But it keeps coming back and being a blessing in spite of our nonsense. Huh? <laughs> I was reading uh, Mike Lindell. Most people know him, my pillow. I told Pastor Shirley, I said, this man, where are you out? I said, I'm just reading about him. I'm worn out. I said, I know the people that had to live with him got to be worn out. But you talk about somebody who couldn't curse his own life, even in just out and out disobedience. You look at this is the faithfulness and of the commanded blessing to get on your life and follow it, follow you no matter what. He was all crack when he invented my pillow. And it's still, they, it has a reputation of being unlike anything that's ever been invented for sleep. He makes tons of stuff, he said they got over a hundred products now. And he's a multi, multi-millionaire on the way to billionaire status, even though uh, media people keep fighting him trying to kill his business. They don't know if his crack addiction couldn't kill it and his, his <clears throat> you know, living off a borrowed money and gambling addiction couldn't do it. Then what they're putting out is very small. He's already survived the biggest attack which came through himself. No, God has a commanded blessing for us, folks. There's a blessing that we can't get out from under. You can't disobey your way out from under it. Amen. It, you're going to be blessed anyway. And for all those people that think people who disobey from time to time can't get blessed, look in the mirror and see what you see. Huh? Huh? No, this bl- blessing follows us, and at some point, if we'll get in the flow with God of obedience, it'll overtake us. We're living in the 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 uh, I would say the first wave of the Amos nine thirteen blessing. See, we're 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 in in the ocean at the shallows, and it's to continuing to come wave after wave after wave. Pretty soon it's going to be so deep, we'll be swimming in it, amen? But it's coming in wave after wave after wave. It's commanded onto our lives. Whereas we used to be concerned and worried about things, we have a sense that we can't pick up worry anymore. It's like, where did it go, amen? Well, we've overcome it. And now we're living in the, the realm of the, the flow, the continuous flow of blessing. Before we speak, it happens. It, when it's just a thought and, and we're worshiping God, it appears in our lives. Every, you know, every praise that you give up brings a blessing with it now. It's a nonstop thing. It's something you can't control. It's something you just dive into the midst of it and it comes into your life. You're not sitting up wondering if, you know, can I, can I give this in the offering and should I do that? And if I do this, will I have enough money left? And if I, most people, you know, that are really living in the Amos 913, you're in like a flow now where it's automatic, where you release it automatically and it comes, you don't even give it a second thought. Amen. It, well, that's where we're supposed to live. That—that that is for you. You understand what I'm saying? You're not pausing to consider, what, what, or if you do, it's just to get reassurance from God that, yeah, it's there for you. I got it for you. Don't worry about it. Amen. And so, so that's 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 what's happening with Abraham and Sarah. This blessing is commanded on their lives at this time in their life. When God met them, they were already old. Amen. And Sarah had already been barren all of her life. Amen. And so, so we have a, a pattern here or a history where we can chart their, their fertility, their age, all that stuff. In other words, it was going to take a miracle for them anyway. See, sometimes we walk into life with God where it's going to take a miracle for us to, to have a normal life, to have this, to have that, whatever it is. It's going to take a miracle anyway. And so God wants us to know that that nothing is too hard for him. What If we can believe him for it because he said it, then it will get delivered to us at the right season. Amen. This is just the right season. Now, uh, Age has very little to do with the right season for us for anything. I'll say it again. Get my megaphone out. Age has nothing to do or very little to do with the right season for us anyway. God knows how old you are. He knew how old you would be when you said yes to him. He knew you would be. Diddle around for 10 years trying to decide to obey him in this. We're dealing in earth years. He's dealing in eternity. So whenever he shows up, he brings time with him. He can shorten time. He can lengthen time. He can make time of none effect, not a consideration. He's not thinking about He's not pressed for time, and he's not running out of it. And we aren't either when we work with him. you got plenty of time for everything. So he says, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. It wasn't her time when Ishmael was born. It wasn't her time when Abraham gave her to somebody else twice. Playing that silly game with her. Uh Huh? Let me see what I got my notes here. Uh Huh? It's not too hard for God to do. But the hard thing sometimes is for us to believe he will do it. So you think that might have been a factor with Abraham and Sarah? God's giving us time to believe him. You know, sometimes we need a miracle in a hurry and we think we're running out of time. God's been waiting for us for a long time just to even get in a hurry. To consider that we needed to play a part in the miracle. That we needed to extend our faith in order to get him to do something. So the time is getting eaten up by us trying to make the decision to believe God and obey him. Amen? We'll start believing him on Sunday and by Monday we, oh, it's never going to happen. So he's waiting for us to go back and forth, you know like my husband used to say either go or get off the pot you know what i'm saying it's you know how women when you when you got daughters they dance from one foot to the next to the next she, girl will you go to the bathroom I, okay mom i'm going i'm going waiting in my Wait a minute. minute. now god's waiting for us to just go amen just get in there and see what I'm gonna do. Just release this to me so I can start working on developing your faith for this to be a sure thing in your life. He doesn't want us to miss anything. Amen. So, so Sarah's fertility comes when she's 90 years old and her husband's 99. It has stopped being with her. Verse 11 says, after the manner of women. Amen. Now, we need to understand that God was a husband to Sarah throughout her marriage. Amen. He was a husband to her. The Bible says your maker will be your husband. So, when your natural husband maybe falls down on a job or doesn't do an adequate job, falls into the human category, God then becomes your husband to you. What happened with with uh, um, um, Abimelech and what happened to Pharaoh's household as a result of Sarah? Being abandoned by Abraham, huh? Her maker became her husband. God protected her. He caused infertility to fall on that whole household to prove that he was her husband and he was looking out for her where Abraham didn't. Think about it now. Think about it. He preserves the marriage bed. Now, granted, if she was barren, she probably wouldn't have had children for them. But God didn't even want to go that far. You understand? He didn't want it to be under man's control ever. When he dedicates someone and something to himself, he wants full control over that situation forever and all of the people involved in it. So he says here in uh, uh, verse 17. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham the things that, the thing which I am going to do seeing that Abraham shall, shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. So after God promises Abraham and Sarah that they will have a son together, he confirms it by elevating Abraham in the spiritual realm. As an intercessor and one who has knowledge of all of the things that God is doing in the earth. He will increase you in some way to confirm that he has given you an upgrade as far as your faith is concerned, your status is concerned. So, Abraham, if you're going to be heir of the whole world and manage the earth, let me get let you in on something that I'm doing so that you can get the hand for managing stuff, that you can get an understanding for how this management goes. And he sets Abraham to intercede for mercy for people who might be righteous people. So really, if Abraham is a son of righteousness, and if he is a son of God, and he is the heir of all things, God's training him now to be able to understand how to manage the whole earth. He does that with all of us. When you start, when God starts getting you to understand who you are in him, he will put before you evidence that you have this. Amen. When when God told me, he said, Well, I'm I'm calling you to ministry and I got a prophecy that I was called, and really I, I understood that I was to teach the word. That's what the prophecy was. And I said, Well, God, I mean, I don't feel like a teacher. I mean, I how you know, you gotta show me. All I had to say was, show me. And and the next time I showed up in a Bible study, God turned that place upside down with a miracle through my mouth. I had a word of knowledge about something that he wanted to do for someone, and it all fit together. This girl had been to visit somebody that was terminal and And she was praying and asked God to heal this lady and and when i i I gave the the word that he gave me, it referred to a handkerchiefs praying for handkerchief that's why we have that anointing now it's been since day one that was one of the first anointings God gave me was for special miracles, and so we when, when I gave the scripture, this girl said, Oh, praise God. She jumped up and ran outside to her car and ran back in. And she said, I had this handkerchief with that same scripture on it. What are we supposed to do with it? And the Bible study teacher, praise God, had enough sense to know what to do because I sure didn't. I was still standing there th- stunned. I said, I was, God, I was going to say something else. Oh, he'll take your mouth. You think everything you say out of your mouth is by your own effort? He'll take control of your mouth when he needs to. He's a God of all flesh, honey. Nothing's too hard for him. And that 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 handkerchief she had was embroidered with ax, and I still can never remember, 1916, whatever it is. And, and the Bible study teacher said, well, let's lay hands on that and pray over it. She took it back and gave it to that lady. That lady came out of a coma and was instantly healed. You understand what I'm saying? And she, this woman was a physician. And she had heard about this lady. The lady was not her patient. She had heard about her and went up to see her and pray for her. And she, I don't know how she got that handkerchief, but she had it. And she related it to what the scripture I had said. And I remember the scripture to give it in the prophecy, but I showed up. I can't remember for the life of me. Is that acceptable? What is that scripture anyway? You understand what I'm saying? And and so I'm just saying that to say God will validate what he puts in you. You have immediate evidence. That's why I can't get with all these prophets running around on Facebook. Those people have no Bible evidence that God is with their mouth, cause it show ain't showing up on Facebook. So he says, um, he said, no, I'm gonna. He said, I know him. Verse nineteen. That he will be faithful to be the father of many nations. That's what he's saying. He said, Abraham has passed my test. He's walked with me enough years that I know he's going to command his children. He's going to give them the same thing I give him. Amen. And they're going to keep the way of the Lord and do justice and judgment. And so Abraham has proven himself to be worthy, to be the father of many nations. You ever think that's what God's waiting on with some of the stuff we think we're waiting too long for? For us to prove ourselves faithful, to stand where he commands us to stand. Amen. And so he begins to share with Abraham his plans for Sodom and Gomorrah. Amen. And and Abraham begins to deal with God in covenant partnership as the, the man who is going to be heir of the whole earth. He's going to run the whole world. Amen. In the end God had to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Amen. And so then Abraham goes on in in the um he let me see. Where do we go to here? Okay, over in chapter 20, we see another situation. Now this is just a continuation of the deposit that God has placed inside of Abram. Amen. It says verse 20, 20 verse 1, Abram, Abraham journeyed from the south country and dwelled between Kadesh and Shur and sojourned in Gerar. Abraham and Sarah, his wife, said to her, she is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. Now, Abraham knows that God has promised to give children through her, but he had always promised that. But Abraham is living in the mentality of selfishness still because he told Sarah a long time ago, you got to do me this favor because you're a nice-looking woman. They're going to want you, and they may kill me to get you. So if we can go here and play that you're my sister again, I'll be able to live, and you'll always have a husband. Amen. And so he makes this deal with her when they sojourn in a strange country. And he doesn't he doesn't he thinks the power that he wields at home is not the same on the road. Don't ever get confused that when you get into a situation that you think is hostile towards you, that God won't be there with you in the situation. I don't care if you cause the mess up yourself. You can still call on the name of the Lord, and he will come to your aid and your rescue. He never leaves us and never forsakes us. But Abraham is going to have to learn God in this way. And God is patient to continue to continue to teach him the same way, the same thing. And so Abraham has gotten an upgrade, but he doesn't know that he has the upgrade yet. So he says here, but Abimelech had not come, uh, uh but God said to Abimelech in a dream by night, he said to him, Behold, you're a dead man. If you sleep with this man's wife, I'm going to kill you. He says, She's not the woman that, behold, for the woman that you have taken, she is another man's wife. And Abimelech had not come near her, for he said, Lo, Lord, will you slay also a righteous nation? And he said, he he said, he not unto me. She is my sister. He said, didn't you hear what he told me that was his sister? He said, and she, even she herself said, that's my brother. So Abimelech pleads his own case. He said, I've been lied to. He said, you're going to kill me. I'm a righteous man in this. I didn't do anything wrong. I just did what they said. And he says, he is my brother. He said, even she herself said he's my brother in the integrity of my heart. I'm innocent. And God said to him in a dream, yes, I know that you did this in the integrity of your heart. For I also withhold you from sinning against her. Therefore, I did not allow you to touch her. So has anybody grown enough to read between the lines? Now therefore, in fact, she was everybody's sister. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? She in my bed, but she my sister. So God caused impotence to fall on everybody in the household. Amen. And he says, he says, now therefore restore his wife to him, for he is a prophet. See, an upgrade. When Abram began to bargain with God for Sodom and Gomorrah, he did it as a prophet, and God honored his word. If you look at it, this is the first time God really honored Abram's desire, where he spoke to God as more or less an intercessor or more or less an equal, somebody who could make plans with God and share in the rulership of the earth with God. This was something new for him. So God elevated him as a prophet. He says, therefore, Abimelech rose early in the morning. Amen. In fact, he probably didn't sleep and called all his servants and told them all the things in their ear. And the men were very afraid. Then Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, what have you done to is, us? And what have what have I done to offend you that you brought on me and my kingdom a great sin? You have done deeds unto me that ought not to be done. And Abimelech said to Abraham, what did you see that, that you have done this thing? And Abram said, because I thought surely the fear of God was not in this place. Huh? In other words, I'm not seeing you the way God sees you. He makes the assumption whenever he moves that he's got to play this game. She's my sister. He says, He said, I said to myself the same thing I say every time I leave where I'm comfortable. I'm in trouble already or I might get in trouble and they're going to kill me because of my beautiful wife. Amen. And so he says, and yet indeed she really is my sister. Now here comes the con, huh? The shenanigans mayhem and see God's got to get that out of him. He's got to get that out of us. That desire for self-preservation above obedience to God. He's got to get that out of all of us. Other than that, how are you going to raise godly children if you got slipshod and halfway and con man and all you know how to cut corners to get what you want safely without having to trust God? Amen. He says, she's she my sister, like I said. And it came to pass when God caused me to wander from my father's house that I said this to her. So really, Abraham is still living under the security of what he's comfortable with to a degree. He said, ever since I left my father's house, I've been depending on my wits to keep my life. In other words... Abraham, can you lose your life and then find it in God? Can you risk trusting God with your wife? Tell the truth about who she is so that God can teach you to trust and rely on him totally. And he says, we just decided to do this. It says, Abimelech took sheep and oxen, man servants, women's servants, gave them to Abraham. Here he goes getting rich, pimping his wife again. And restored them, Sarah, his wife. And Abimelech said, Behold, my land is before you. Live wherever you want to live. And he said to, and unto Sarah, he said, Behold, I have given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. He is a covering for your eyes and to all that are with you and all the other. Thus she was reproved. So Abraham prayed unto God. And God healed Abimelech and his wife and his manservants. And they did what? They did what? After what happened? Is that registering with anybody? Read it again. So Abraham prayed to God and God healed You got the connection? You think maybe, not just maybe, this could have happened a while back. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you need to get, you have to get pressed in order to pray the prayer. Sometimes your back has got to get up against a wall in order to pray the prayer. No. Sometimes you got to go through some hurdles to get the maturity, to get the prophetic unction, to pray the prayer so it comes to pass. God made Abram a prophet when he began to deal for Sodom and Gomorrah. He'd never had that authority in the earth before. So God had to get Abram to the place where he could anoint him with more power on his words because he was a liar when he got in trouble. That man was liable to say anything to stay alive. She my sister. She my wife. She my sister. No wonder they didn't have no kids. He didn't know who he was married to. I'm reminded of the scene in the movie Chinatown where the inimitable Miss Faye Dunaway gets slapped around by Mr. Jack Nicholson, the one and only. <laughs> Remember, he asked her, who is this little girl? I know not, y'all ain't old enough, so I'm going to tell you what it is. It was about her having a daughter who really, uh she had this girl because her father had molested her, raped her. And she said, well, that she's my sister. Everybody knew the girl was her sister. And so she started speaking to her and taking, was very careful around her. Jack Nicholson noticed something else. He said, what is she to you? And he, she said, she's my sister. And he slapped her. She goes, she's my sister. He slapped her. She's my daughter. He slapped, her. She's my daughter. He slapped her. She's my daughter and my sister. That's what this reminds me of. Where Abraham slapping himself around all the time, so confused about who Sarah is. So God has to slap him around a little bit and straighten him out. That's your wife. And don't change your confession about it. Because I put power in your mouth now. So that you're able to intercede for people who have the same ailment you have. Faith needed to come to them in a different way than it had ever been before. When Abraham sees a whole nation of barren people now become fruitful and after God had put barrenness on them it's a whole new ball game now he sees he's able to reverse a decision God made after people repent and make the correct offering and honor him and his wife they meet all God's provisions all his stipulations for righteousness so then abraham begins to be the father of righteousness to a people he thought were heathens he said i thought when i showed up y'all was a bunch of heathens i didn't know you respected my god sometimes they do respect our god but they don't know how they don't act like me and you about it you ever think about that all they need is our prayers to come out of that and come into a reality of god a living reality but Abraham was not able to pray this prayer until he got a hundred years old, almost. He was ninety and nine. And finally, the trust in God, the knowledge of God, the unction of God, the ability to intercede. He didn't intercede for anybody that, that we know of before Sodom and Gomorrah, to be honest with you. He didn't have that authority and that ability with God. Remember when he and Lot got in strife, Abraham didn't pray and ask God to settle it. He said, well, I'll settle it. You just go where you take what you want and leave the rest for me. God will take care of me. So the, the unction to intercede had to come into his heart. God had to prove him. You think anybody can pray for anything anytime they want to? Are you kidding me? If that were true, we'd have more good things going on in the earth. You have to be called to do. You have to be called into the throne room. Remember Esther? She didn't just show up. She said, if I show up on the wrong day, the wrong cr- cr- And this man, he did already put away a wife. We don't know what happened to her. She got put out of here and ain't nobody heard from her since. you look in your concordance and see when Vashti's name shows up and when it stops. Chapter one. She don't even get an honorable mention later. Huh? You don't throw Show up in the throne room unannounced. Now you can call him all the pet names you want to. know how these people go in and find a Hebrew name they can't even pronounce. Huh? Like they got something you don't have. So it says here, Abraham prayed unto God, and God healed Abimelech and his wife. And his maid servants, and they had children. For the Lord hath fast closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech Oh Ooh. Now that should have given them a happy pause right there. Abraham and Sarah should have left that place of intercession completely happy, completely faith filled. In fact, I believe it did encourage their faith because in in when God announced what he was going to do, everybody thought it was a joke. Huh? Sarcasm. I'm too old and I declare myself too old. Be careful what you declare yourself over what God's already planned for you. Huh? In chapter 21, the Lord visited Sarah, just like he said. He took care of all that unbelief, all of that. She's my sister. She's my daughter. She's my mother. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? My everything. Huh? All that unbelief. All that carnality. All that selfishness. Abraham gets restored into a place of honor and his wife is honored too. See, God always honored both of them. But you gotta have honor. You gotta have a knowledge of who God is to you coming to you sometimes. Can't be operating as a, as a child in the kingdom forever. Let's get this, this, this party on. You know, we gonna do this. Let's do this thing. So God visited Sarah as he said at the, as he had spoken. Sarah conceived and had a child. And Abraham, a son of his old age, at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born to him, whom Sarah bore Isaac, which means laughter. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old, as God had commanded him. And he was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him, and Sarah said, "God had made me laugh for real." Amen. I have a good laugh now, and all that here will laugh with me. So she's a prophetess. Because didn't everybody when they said I, when she said Isaac, they laughed because that was his name, that's what his name meant. And she said, who would have believed, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would have had children to nurse? For I have bore him a son in his old age. <laughs> and Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. Amen. So he, God, and nothing's too hard. God has, if he has to grow us up, he'll grow us up. If he has to get us to leave selfishness, he'll get us to leave. Don't ever underestimate God and his ability that nothing's too hard for him. You know, sometimes we sit up and all night and nervous about your children or money or in God's sleep. I mean, he never sleeps, but he's resting. You know, Jesus, Jesus slept in the boat, but you know what I'm saying? He's not up all night nervous and pacing. Now, he's like, you can stay up if you want to, but I recommend you come down here and go to sleep like I'm doing. You know, that's pretty much what Jesus said to the disciples. They're accusing him of not caring about him because he's not nervous like they are. Don't ever accuse God of not caring because he's not wound up. Listen, somebody got to be in a sound mind. In a, seriously, in order for us to survive. Amen. So so God has some work to do on us. I'm saying that he's a God of all flesh and he'll get the work done. Whatever it is that he needs to straighten out in us, he's straightening it out. He's at work in us now, both to will and to do of his good pleasure is what the word says. Not our good pleasure. Our pleasure will match his when we catch up to where he's at. He'll cause you to like stuff you said you never were gonna like. He'll cause you to do things you said you never were gonna do. He's the God of all flesh. Nothing's too hard for him. At one point he might even drag you along and, and while wow, you don't like it. Huh? <laughs> you know, you ever been like that? One of your kids, mama, I want to go out. Well, you coming anyway and you drag them in pretty soon. They just hopping and skipping and playing and they forgot they was mad about it. And he'll get us to the same point. I don't care who it is you think is a tough hombre. He'll get them there. Amen. Don't ever negate God's ability to do change any flesh that the, to accept him and accept his ways. He'll do it. Because he's God. Amen. He couldn't say he was God if he couldn't do all those things. Amen. All right. Why don't we stop? We thank you, Father. Father, thanks to you for all of what you're doing for us. Thank you, Lord, for for believers who want to do your will, who want to be right with you. I bless the people watching on the Internet that they will understand that the God of all flesh has no challenge too great for him. He can do anything and everything whenever he desires. So Lord, I thank you. I bless you and I praise you for what you're doing in our lives, for what you've shown us you can do. That Father, we need, sometimes before we can receive everything you have for us, we need to have you make another deposit on the inside of us. It's like you did with Abraham. You had changed his name to a father of a multitude of many nations. But he needed to be able to have the unction to pray a prayer to reverse the barrenness in his life. And you gave him that. So Lord, I thank you that the faith that, that we need comes through our covenant with you. And we bless you and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Why don't we do our declaration, I don't have grown She don't have me. I can't get Rhonda, And she can't get me. And Lord, I thank you that by your stripes, we are healed. Amen, amen, and amen again. It is so decreed. Amen. Praise God.